Good morning, Terry. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you, but I can't see you. All I see is a white screen. Well, Terry, you you being a radio person, you understand theater of the mind. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I got to tell you something. You're going to be in Charlotte this coming Thursday. I'm going to be at that very shopping center just up a couple of stores from you. When, When do you begin? Because, I mean, you can't come to Charlotte without us getting together to say hello. You bet. You bet. I'm not sure what time that function is. You know, I I just go where I'm told. And <laughs> the next 12 the next twelve hours are the only thing that uh, that have any reality for me. Uh, I'm in Boston at the moment. Charlotte seems like a lifetime away. Yeah. But, yes, we must get together. We certainly will. Um, and then I can see really what you look like. There you go. That's, see, that's part of the great mystery. Even even as an author, you know what the mystery is about. Well, I know what it's about, but now I've got to work hard to solve it. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So, no, let, let's definitely say hi. That would be great. Your new book, The Year of the Locust, puts Cain on the borders of Iran, Pakistan, and Afghanistan. And I guess maybe it's because I just fear that part of the world. But it does come with an edge of, of like, oh, my God, what is he up to? Yeah, yeah. You know, he he's a denied access area by he uh he's at the very pointy end of the intelligence community these people are go you know are the the really the bravest the best of the best in many ways they go into areas where it is totally forbidden north vietnam uh north uh, i'm sorry (laughs) north korea and uh yemen the very bad most secret areas of Mm -hmm. russia if i was you know writing it today he'd be going into gaza yeah, and yeah. that. So he's in that area, and he's entering Iran on a mission. Uh, as you know, the the fate of the West or the fate of a lot of the world will depend on his success. So it, the, the stakes are very high. The environment's very dangerous, and uh, it tests him to the very, very limit. Well, he's on a really big mission right now to gain access to the safety of a man with information. So, I mean, this man's information. That's like a great mystery to me in the way of going, okay, what does he know? What is he going to do with it? And can it be sold? Yeah. Yeah, that, 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 that's that's exactly right. And uh, I can't say what happens to this man uh, because I don't want to give spoilers away, but it's not very pleasant. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, and Kane. And gets swept into something that is will test him to his very limits uh part of the criteria of writing the book from my point of view was that every few pages he had to be in intense jeopardy you know when you're doing this sort of stuff and you know that it's epic you know that it's sprawling you know that it's going to go all around the world you know that it's going to be long you have to do it in such a way that the reader will keep turning the page uh you know, every paragraph I say to myself, will they read the next paragraph? But it starts with you, Terry. You've got to experience it before I read it. And when you have a thriller like this, I can't imagine what your blood pressure does. You know, you've hit the nail right on the head. 
you know, 120 over, you know, 80 is sort of what we're looking for. <laughs> or I did my blood pressure one night. It was 192. No. <laughs> I, I, I thought, I'm off to hospital. I'm off to hospital. I called the doctor. And he said, calm down. I said, how can I calm down? I'm my, my, my aorta is about to explode. I don't know what's going to happen. And that, but anyway, we, we upped the medication. And uh, But it's funny you should say this because every couple of days I sit at home with my blood pressure monitor. And I can tell you this, it's way into the normal zone now because I finished the book prior to finishing the book I was like will I die before I get this done um, so it's very so you've hit the nail right on the head the blood pressure is the problem not writer's block Oh, oh my God, Terry! I, I got to be honest with you. My uh, two books ago for me, um, I, I finished it up on uh, June twentieth of two thousand nine. On June tw- or July twenty first of, of two thousand nine, the day after, I had a heart attack. That's that's why I bring it up because I mean I feel the same kind of energy moving through this book that it's like, oh my God, he had to experience oh. something. Yeah, gee, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh that it took such a toll on you, but I, I, obviously I, I, I sympathize. I, I'm often asked, um, what advice do you have to people who are, you know, wanting to embark on a writing career? And people think I'm joking. I'm not. I say, get fit and stay yes, fit. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, writing is a wonderful, it's a wonderful job, and, and I think it's an important thing to do. But it's not worth dying for. It, it isn't. And it's a very sedentary occupation. You sit there and you stare at a screen and you get involved in the characters. You get involved in the problem solving. You're trying to turn emotions into words. You're trying to do so many things. And it's easy for the hours to slip by. It's easy to reach for a cigarette. It's easy to have another cup of coffee. It's easy to skip meals. It's easy to have a drink. I mean, how many... You know, good writers are alcoholics. So I'm very disciplined. I'm really disciplined. But even that didn't help me. So, yeah, you have to go through it. And uh, the more harrowing I got on the page, the higher my blood pressure went. So, (laughs) yeah, you've got to manage a whole lot of things. Are you disciplined in the way that uh, cuz I I have a dog that will come in and she knows when I'm when I'm getting worked up so she takes me for a walk. Do you have that kind of a thing where yeah. and and it's it's just she just knows. It's like, "Come on dad, we got to go. We got to go through the forest." Yeah, well, yeah, I got a dog, but it's clearly nowhere near as intelligent as as yours. <laughs> The dog will come in if it wants food. <laughs> the dog will come in if it thinks that there's a treat to be had. As far as going for a walk's concerned, well, yeah, all right. Uh, looks at the weather. If it's raining, you can't get the damn dog out of the house. Um, no, I, um, I've got a, an exercise bike. Oh, good. One of those stationary bikes next to next to my desk. With And uh, when it gets a bit marked, uh, I, I mean, I, even if it's just 10 or 15 minutes, I'll hop on it. And, you know, I'm not doing interval training up, you know, up Mount Everest. Uh, I mean, there are people that can do that. And God bless them. I can't. I just get on it and do some exercise. And then when I finish for the night, no matter how late it is, mm-hmm. I'll go out for a walk. I, I'll go for a long walk and, uh, and calm down and uh, then think about what the... <clears throat> 
what the major narrative problem I had in front of me. And it's wonderful how much just walking allows you to start to yep. see through the problems. You need that mind clearing experience. Uh, so yeah, so I do it. I try not to skip meals. Um, uh, I don't drink coffee whilst I'm working. I don't drink alcohol. I have for many, many years mm -hmm. and I gave up cigarettes. So all in all, it's a miserable life. <laughs> you know, what, can I do? what can I do? But but, but Terry, I'm I'm a firm believer that creativity is the the addiction. It is the vice. And and as I and so as writers, we can go into any room at any given time and start planting those words on a page. And 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 sometimes that's way way too much of an addiction. It is an addiction. There's no doubt. My, my wife acknowledges that. She knows that. Uh, it, it's a compulsion. Yes. Uh, a compulsion to to turn emotions into words, to solve narrative problems, to walk into a room and look at the people and start to tell you tell yourself what their stories are, which have of course no relationship to reality. But you know, the attractive woman standing over in the corner who you've never met before in your <laughs> life, you know that the happy, the unhappiness that is deep in her heart then the guy that comes up to talk to her is her husband but love died a long time ago you know and so i stand there and i tell myself all this rubbish and then i find out the woman standing in the corner is a neuroscientist <laughs> that she's gay and the guy that comes up, up up to her is her lawyer you know and i think oh that's disappointing most often i'm sure you find the same thing yeah it often it is a better world than the one that we inhabit. You know, the world of the that we create imaginatively is, is, is a better and more interesting world. So, um, so I'm all for it. You know, the mm. kids say, "Oh, for God's sake, Dad, get real." I know what they mean. <laughs> <laughs> so, is with what you just shared with me, the reason why Kane feels so real to us is it because you had to create a profile for each and every character, and they have to live up to what your imagination developed. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, Steven Spielberg said a very interesting thing. Yeah, you know, I've met him a number of times uh, and, you know, I admire him very much. Um, he said a very interesting thing. He said, you know, in movies, there are no bad people. There are just people with a bad function. <laughs> and I've always found that very, very interesting because if you come at writing, a, especially a, a very long and epic style book, you have to give the person who is going to cause all the problems. You have to give them the dignity of a motivation. You have to allow them to have a reason mm -hmm. for why they are doing what they're doing. Now, when you do that, people start to understand them more. And of course, a hero has to understand the person in order to catch them or stop them or do whatever. So you're going on a journey. You're going on a journey into the previous life of your bad guy, and you're going on a journey into the into the life, the, the antecedents plus the present day life of your hero. So it starts to become a much richer narrative story than just having some psycho out there with an axe, mm -hmm. you know, which is sort of interesting for two minutes and then when you get to the point of well why has he got an axe and why is he a psycho 
there are people who write other books or movies who say, well, who cares? Just let him lop off the next person's head. Well, that gets a bit boring. <laughs> I, I, I mean, slasher pictures and slasher stories are not something that's going to engage you for 800 pages. So, yeah, I, I build up a, an understanding, I hope I do, of every character in it because even the more minor characters can have a very interesting story to tell. Uh, and very interesting aspects to their life. And hopefully by the time you finish reading the book, or, you know, it's true with Pilgrim, I think it's true of Locust, you feel like you really know these people. They, they weren't necessarily your friends, but they were people that you came to have a great understanding of. If I can do that, well, I've done a good job, you know. When you develop the storylines for Kane, do you ever find yourself in a position where when you're writing, you feel the presence of Kane looking over at you because he's waiting for the next lines to come through him? Yeah. Yeah, it's a problem. Yeah. I, I always think <laughs> I always think, you know, your characters are like your kids. You know, when your kids are little, they're great. They do what they're told. Yes, Dad, no dad. Don't do this. Don't do that. Uh, and life is good. It's very exhausting, but life is good. Then they become teenagers. <laughs> they decide they're going to do what they want to do. And you can tell them whatever you like. And they say, oh, yes, Dad. Oh, whatever, Dad, you know. Come on, Dad. Yep. Oh, we don't want to hear again about what happened when you were a kid, you know. Um uh, did they have cars when you were a kid, Dad? How old were you when you? How old were you when you first saw a telephone? Were you amazed? Uh, stuff like this, you know. So the characters are like that. When you first start off with it, they do what they're told. But as they develop and you make decisions about them, you know what they do here or what they think there, they start to tell you what is believable and what isn't. Mm. So, you know, if, if I've set up a character as being a decent, empathetic, kind man, let's just say, and then I decide for plot purposes that I need him to pull out a gun and stick the barrel in somebody's mouth and threaten to pull the trigger, <laughs> the character's going to say to me, yeah, that's a nice scene. Yeah, good. Glad you thought that up. I would never do that. And I think, oh, you will do it because who's in control here? So I write it. And then I read it through and I have to say, he was right. Mm -hmm. It doesn't play. It does not. It's not believable. So I have to chuck that out yeah. and start again and find a better way for him to get the information which is good that's good because otherwise every scene's going to be somebody sticking a gun in yeah. somebody's mouth and yeah. threatening to pull the trigger so it forces you the characters force you to stay true to them and be more inventive mm. but it's exhausting <laughs> i got four kids i got four kids so i got four of them telling me all the time i don't know what i'm talking about so um you know so between them and the characters 
life is miserable. Life is miserable. And I wish everybody would just shut up and do what they're told. No hope for that. Where I find inspiration in Kane is, is the fact that he goes in, does whatever is required, and gets out. Now, I have to ask you, that that's what we were trained to do in combat karate. Go in, do what you, what's required, get out. Is that a martial arts yeah. background from you, or is that something you picked up for Kane? It's something I picked up for Kane, but it's also true, I believe, of the intelligence community. People, and this was especially true of my first book, I Am Pilgrim, where he does not kill the bad guy at Mm -hmm. the end. And the reason being, justice has got nothing to do with the spy world. When you're a spy, you do not pass sentence and then carry it out. No, your job is the mission. Your job, as you say, is to get in, do what's necessary and get out. You, it's up to other people to, to determine punishment and justice. And that is where I find spies very interesting. Their motivation, their, their objective is vastly different than delivering justice. They work in a in a moral wasteland that they they can't afford to be animated by things like revenge or well you've been a bad person so I'm going to put a bullet through your head. Mm, mm, no, mm. you've been a bad person. What I need is the information, and if I'm dead, I, there's no information getting out. So it's a different mindset. What, I might say a, a more sophisticated mindset than perhaps we're accustomed to in a lot of thrillers. Um, and it just is coincidental that it, it, is, it, it, it is in accord with a martial arts background. Yeah, but, yeah. of course, if you haven't got those skills, both, you know, physical skills that you would develop through martial arts or through unarmed combat, through many, many things, you're not going to survive long out there. You, you, you need this whole package. And, uh, and it, so, yes, it's, it's very interesting that, that those things are all in accord. Uh, go in, do what's necessary get the hell out yep yep i can't wait to meet you this coming thursday uh because i i've just got so many more questions to ask you and and man this has just been a blessing to share a conversation with you today well thank you so much it's been fun huh and uh, i look forward to thursday um you'll see what i look or you'll know what i look like (laughs) you'll be you are the mystery man at the moment so come up and tap me on the shoulder (laughs) i will well you be brilliant today okay sir Well, thank you so much. Thank you.